Welcome to episode six of We Are All Americans, conversations about how family stories are passed down from generation to generation and what it means to be American in the context of multiculturalism, immigration, military service, Black Lives Matter, white privilege, and indigeneity. I'm your host, Michelle Jacquis, and I'm here today with Hind Abdul-Majid in her apartment in the Westchester neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hello. Thanks for agreeing to talk with me today. Oh, no, I'm really excited about this. Part of why I invited you to participate, as I mentioned in the message, was that I remember when you were in my community radio class, Mm -hmm. which was at Otis College of Art and Design, which was last, I think, spring 2017. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And towards the beginning of the semester... Trump had just been elected Mm -hmm. as the 45th president of the U.S. and had instituted the travel ban Mm -hmm. for um, people coming from Muslim-majority countries. And you were among the many people who were volunteering at LAX airport to translate. Can you talk about what compelled you to do that and what that experience was like? Well... First of all, I kind of woke up to the news, and uh, back then Iraq was already included on the list. It was before Trump had taken Iraq out of the out of the first seven countries. Yeah, um, and that's where you're from originally. That's where I'm from originally. That's the passport I carry, and the passport my parents carry. So to me, it was like it really hit home. Mm. Um, and then I was starting to think like I'm going to graduate next year, and this ban is going to mean that my family right now is, you know, there's no more ties, there's no more visiting, and I was afraid of leaving now. Um, so I immediately tried to, I saw that there was like people at the airport trying to protest this and I really needed that kind of comfort because I, in the morning I felt very isolated here. I felt like it's, it's very, it's a scary experience to be 21 in a country that the president just announced not welcoming your people here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I felt similar when the like white power thing happened mm-hmm. in Charlottesville and they were saying anti-semitic slogans and trump said with your family history some of them are good people and i was like okay wait the president doesn't like my people what do i do yeah yeah you start to feel that you are included in the others you Mm -hmm. are the Mm -hmm. other um and i just i really couldn't so we went to the airport and i was protesting all day long um it was kind of in we were very controlled as a crowd and there was SWAT mm. teams and everything but they were making announcement that they needed people that speak Arabic down in the airport and my job was I was standing next to the lawyers and these people that were trapped in the airport for very long times were coming out and I was greeting them and sort of like having them talk to the lawyers and I was in the middle of it um I don't know it was really kind of a terrifying experience for me I kind of like the whole time I just felt unsafe and I was trying to like keep a face of like this is okay like yeah we're using the system right now to like overcome it like we're democracy mm-hmm. is here um but i don't know it seems that you know a year later the ban is not gone <laughs> you know it's still instituted and, and i actually got that yeah I got, exactly so but iraq got taken off the list yes it got taken out out of the list but to me i still grew up with syrians and i still grew up with you know all of the other countries involved are still my friends yeah. and you yeah. know people i I know, you know, where they're coming from, and I know the struggles and the need they have in coming here. Uh, you know, I'm an asylum myself, and I came here as, you know, a student, but then I applied for asylum, and I know the need and the motivation for people to, to kind of seek help yeah. like that. And so, I don't know. I mean, that's that's how it was for me. It was. Did you have any moments, like, I think I would feel afraid 
that they would recognize or figure out where I was from and take me and like tell me you have to get on a plane and get out of here like to be that close yeah I mean I, what I still is a border like I would be terrified I still feel that way I honestly I every time I read about people getting that have a green card now they're yeah. coming after them over petty things it, it's always terrifying for me I had this kind of comfort here about like oh I'm, I'm sort of naturalizing myself I'm getting into the system there yeah. there you know I got my green card but that safety is completely gone I feel like after the election I feel like especially now it's like me starting to understand how American, American politics works and how you know you have to have the balance in the government and how this balance is completely shift it's not yeah, there we don't, have, like, the yeah, we don't have the right balance now. anymore so I just feel like it's a wild card it's reminding me of when the in the few days after the election in mm-hmm. the fall um majority of the class I was teaching at the time was upset. I don't know if there were people who were pro-Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. If they were, they were quiet. Mm-hmm. But everybody was, a lot. Of, the whole class was upset. And there was one student who was a Chinese national who was crying and really worried, is he going to take my student visa away? Am I going to get so home? And at the time, I had like, I feel so naive, but I had such complete faith mm-hmm. that... No, no, of course not. Yeah. He can't take away your student visa. That's legal document that was in place before he was elected. And of course, no, you're safe. And then when the travel ban happened, I thought, wow, what was I thinking? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to this day, I honestly still don't feel that safe at all. And I remember a conversation with you. It must have been shortly after you got the green card. Where you said something to the effect of, I hope I chose the right country. I still feel that way, honestly. Um, I mean, to me, I like we escaped war. And I did have that night where we bolted over a border and ran to Jordan. Like, mm. I had that experience. And to me, like, I grew up in an American school. My mom somehow put me in that system. And I grew up in... In that kind of like, okay, I have no home, but I can create this home for myself. And mm. I seem to be very close to this culture. I mean, I'm going to school and we're learning American history. And I so I sort of like, I don't know, naively assume this was a home if I come here and make it my, you know, mm-hmm. and work mm-hmm. hard and pursue the American dream. And yeah. that's what I thought. And, and where did you go to the American school? I was in Dubai. So okay. we escaped from Iraq when I was like nine or eight and nine. Um, we got a threat call on the phone. And we were gone in almost a night. Um, my dad, As a nine-year-old, like, how aware do you think you were of what really was happening? We were, we were very, I was aware, my sister too, we were very young. I was nine and, or eight and she was seven, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but because we were in war, my parents were like, we knew what to do in certain situations. And it was the night before, my, my dad was in London back then um, for a conference, a do- like a they used to send them for these like studies or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was just us and my mom, and we got this phone call like at twelve at night, and I was sleeping, and I remembered the phone ringing, you mm-hmm. know, when you kind of wake up. And the next morning, my mom sat me down, my sister, and said that like we got a call last night. We, my sister and I, both knew exactly what was happening. We knew some mm-hmm. bad men were after us. And by four a.m. the next day, we were in a car and we were gone. Like it was just we left. 
And yeah, we left everything. Like even my mom left the photo albums there, and she came back like years later. First thing she grabbed was them, and left and they the were house. still there. They were still there, but I mean, our house got ransacked afterwards. People came in and like shoved all our stuff in one room and lived in the entire house. We pretty much lost all of it. Like now, we just have the structure that is the house. Um, so it was, you know, for me, like if Jordan didn't open its borders for me that night. I really don't know what was happening. Like, they knew exactly where we lived, what school we went to. They said that all over the phone. They knew my mom's clinic. Like, we were in real danger. And so for me, when I hear stories about other immigrants trying to come to America yeah. and how that, that border really, what it represents to them, is sort of this, yeah, like that heaven, honestly, when you think about yeah. it. I mean, you yeah. just try to, I remember, like, even when we were in the car, um, driving over from Iraq to Jordan, there used to be a lot of, like, they would ransack the car in the middle and they'd just rob you and leave you, like, a lot mm-hmm. of little gangs. So every time when, we'd be, when we were driving, I'd see people in the side of the road and I remember just being like, oh my God, it's going to happen. They're going to just stop the car. and just So it's like a scary, terrifying experience. And to sometimes think that these people don't even end up, like, getting welcomed into a prison it's in a cage, it's... I know. You know, to me, I just... And I also have seen what it's like when people don't get welcomed. I have an uncle that's been missing for 11 years because he got kidnapped because he mm. didn't have the refuge I got. And, yeah. and so you, you understand. You understand the capability of this country. So yeah, I came thinking that you work hard here and you're going to be accepted. And I don't understand. I don't think that that's the case anymore. I really don't think so. It just, yeah. the vibe is not the same. It's a little it's bit disappointing. Kind of, it's, yeah, I really <laughs> It's a lot disappointing. Yeah. And it's... I find it really heartbreaking. At one point, a couple years ago, maybe it was the same. No, it must have been that same semester, actually, in spring 2017. I was at the College Art Association Conference, and I was chairing a panel about art and um, social responsibility, and we were talking about just, like, how do we teach this within art and design context, Mm -hmm. and... um, in my introduction, I, I talked about, you know, how when I proposed the panel the year before, it was a very different context than when we were presenting the panel. And I felt this, this was February. Yeah. So I was like... Different mindset. All of a sudden, we have a president who doesn't believe in climate change mm-hmm. and who's trying to close the borders. And, Take women's and rights. when I think of all my students that are either DACA recipients or here on asylum or all the different places that they've come from um i feel like this the panel we're hosting is that much more important and there was a woman in the audience i don't remember exactly what school she was from but she was from one of the universities in canada mm-hmm. and she announced this was like at the end so it was like an hour after i had even mm-hmm. said that brief statement and she says i just want you to know that I have friends, and she was older, and I could tell she was of the generation from the people who would probably help Americans go to Canada when they were dodging the draft mm-hmm. during Vietnam. Oh, okay. And so she was like, I have people who are willing on the border. If you or your students ever need to come to Canada, you are welcome. And I connect, here's my card, mm-hmm. and help, and I will help you get across because we have people who've done it before and they'll, they'll mobilize mm-hmm. and do it again. And it was both like reassuring, but also like, wow, is it going to come to this where we feel like we have to leave our country to go? And my husband and I have this conversation now regularly where mm-hmm. he's like, are there art schools in Canada that you can work at? 
can we, when, at what point do we decide the line's been crossed too far and we leave? And then who do we take with us? It's, it's nowhere near as far yeah. as what you experienced in Iraq, I'm sure. But it is that, I think a lot of people in this country are thinking about that, mm-hmm. like, we say it every time somebody gets yeah. elected that we don't like. Everybody says we're going to go to Canada, but this feels yeah. more real. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, because I, I don't know. I feel like there's no nothing he can do anymore as a president that will shock us, and I, it's, yeah. that's really terrifying because these regulations and laws are passing left and right. And I'm like, every time I, I get the Washington Post, you know, the alerts on my phone, and I'm like. This time, someone's gonna say like, "This is oh my God, too you much." Turn this off. It's oh yeah, it's so bad for off. my anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, it's just—I don't know. I just—I'm surprised. It's just—it keeps going. It keeps happening. And I don't know. Does democracy is it still gonna work? I feel like the system is failing. I do too. Well, and I think it's a combination of democracy. It's a capitalistic democracy, mm-hmm. and that's, I feel like, where the problems lie. A lot of it where there are people in our country, the people in power are the people with money, mm-hmm. and not all of them are willing to see outside of their own experience to understand other people's points of view, and maybe also not willing, which, you know, the difference between a capitalist democracy and a socialist democracy would be, you know, like a socialist democracy, I think really may, might be for the people where they mm-hmm. understand that we're all in this together. We have to take mm-hmm. care of each other and not just the, the top upper. people hoard everything and everybody else fend for themselves. And sorry, if you don't have enough mm-hmm. sucks for you mm-hmm. kind of attitude, mm-hmm. which I think is what a lot of the wealthy people in our government have that. See, it, that's kind of interesting because, I mean, like, we are the majority. Like, we really are yes. the majority. Yes. And so, like, I, I feel like maybe this is a hopeful thing. There's going to be a shift in how we, I don't know, control our societies. Because, I don't know. Um, yes, yeah, so we are the majority. The and so I feel yeah. like what we're doing is isolating ourselves. And here, especially in America, I feel like it's the whole just for myself kind of thing. Like, I'm paying taxes. I'm doing this. And what mm. people I feel like don't understand is, is at the end of the day, you are still getting played. Like you are still the, the 98% at this point and you're still falling victim to everything. Like the stuff that you are upset about is your right to be upset about it. But there's so much more like wealth that this country has. Mm. It's just used properly. And I also feel like a lot of people just put these visors to kind of be like, well, this is another person. Like, we can't help them because they come from across a border and from somewhere else. But at the end of the day, like, if there's these share, you know, our responsibility as artists, if we start to share these stories and Mm -hmm. we start to, like, you know, do something like this and says, hey, these people are actually people. These are their stories. Their background. This is why they're crossing the border. Not to come and take social security. Not to come and just, like, sit in your hospitals and just you know, take benefits. It's not really what it's about. It's people trying to make, you know, a life for themselves and Mm -hmm. also create, you know, an economy here and bring culture, which is what this country for me is, is built on is this diversity of culture, which Mm -hmm. is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't exist. And even in other parts, I don't know how much you've traveled around the U S like Los Angeles is definitely a unique place because of how diverse and multicultural it is compared to 
even well there's parts of New York I think I would say like Queens I think they say is like it's the open. place that has the most languages spoken oh. in the country in just wow. that neighborhood is like the neighborhood the, of Queens yeah. in New York which um it's beautiful yeah but then and so I would say New York City is another place where you definitely have that Melting range pot, of people yeah. from everywhere maybe DC because of all the diplomats mm-hmm. and stuff but you go to like Appalachia mm-hmm. or Iowa and it's the same people and it's pretty pretty white mm-hmm. pretty only Christian um, yeah. which is not a, like again it's not it's terrible, not terrible but, but, but I think we get used to like it's to the point where I feel like I wouldn't want to raise my son in a homogenous culture I want to be in a place like this where yeah. he has exposure to everybody and doesn't think about it because that's the world and that's where it's going to be. We cannot isolate ourselves. We're becoming too many people to, to isolate ourselves. Yeah. It just doesn't work. And for centuries, there is no pure race. Yes. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's kind of crazy. What was the green card process like? So I had a lawyer. I did. I went through the system. I, I feel like I'm a, a good example of when the system works. Mm. I'm not going to you know, ever say that I'm not. Um, I had a lawyer. It was a very expensive process. Yeah. It is. I don't think it's a process that a lot of people are able to afford, which to me explains a lot of people's other ways of, you know, trying to find a solution for this. Um, my parents paid for it. It cost about thirteen thousand dollars for the entire process, and I will say the number. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very big number. Um, I also think I was lucky. I spoke English, so my interview was very easy you know and you I speak English with a very American accent <laughs> yeah, I remember so, when I first met you being like wait are you sure you're from Iraq? <laughs> like, <laughs> but I didn't know you went to an American school and so I your did. teachers were probably teaching yeah like this I'm, accent and so. they were Americans too so yeah. this is like and I just recently discovered my boyfriend and I have the exact same books that we studied for English class so it was like the same exact like and he's grew up here no he actually studied in Costa Rica oh, but okay. some of it even middle school books which was here in America uh, was like it's the same books the same book company it's, oh interesting it's crazy I didn't know that but yeah so but all I those little subtleties probably little, help your case so much I was like a student already in college I spoke English no I didn't need a translator I was able to completely speak for myself and I again like I could even joke around like and do these references that are cultural that I mm. you know I understand a lot of people don't have that ability but it definitely Helped my case. I'm never not, not going to lie. And, uh, you know, yeah, I think that I was less intimidating. Mm-hmm. I was a single female. I was already in school. And so my case went on pretty easily. And I got That's my good. green card, which was really good. Uh, but it's a lottery system, it, right? No, it wasn't a lottery. It wasn't even a lottery. Because I had... Because of the asylum? Set, yeah, I had mm-hmm. a certain criteria of, mm-hmm. like, reasons on why I'm applying for asylum. Yeah. And then the, the, the way it works is you spend a year... Um, as an asylee, and then you apply to get your green card, which is the naturalization. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you go into the process even more. But And you had to... Iraq is not a country that you yeah. can have dual citizenship with. Well, Am I right? I can't go back to it. But I... Did you have to... Didn't I still have my passport, because I, I um, still need a citizenship. What, what it is, uh, is like, I still have the citizenship, but I'm an asylee in the United States. Okay from my original home country. So I can't return there uh-huh. at all because then that would dismiss my asylum case. But you didn't um, 
renounce Iraqi citizenship. No, I don't. You, I don't think you're supposed to do that because then I would have no papers. That's changing. So, like, the, yeah. because the green card is not actually the it's citizenship. It's not a citizenship. It's That's just residency. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which yeah. is something, again, I didn't have permanent residency anywhere in the world, which is why I got the green card. Because yeah. when I lived in Dubai, even though we live in Dubai, it's uh, the visa expires every year. Mm. Like it's, you renew it. so. And then you have to leave to renew it, right? Well, yeah, and it's also based on my parents' work, which, you know, I, I'm i starting to graduate college, so then I'll have to switch. Yeah. And, like, I have a job. So I cannot, like, they have to, they're, they're basically my sponsor there. So even now, if I go visit, they'll have to sponsor me for a visa to go there as a visitor. Yeah. It's a very complicated system over there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it didn't happen. And do they feel pretty settled there? I think so. I think it's because they're comfortable culturally there. Like, they still yeah. can be themselves and are, you know, they go to, to work and they work with other Iraqis in the mm-hmm. hospital there. So I feel like they're in kind of in their own atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister, I feel like, is having the hardest time because she got accepted the same year as Trump got into presidency. And so her entire experience in the United States has been, like, from mm, when that started. Yeah. So she has been having an extremely difficult time, like, settling down, which is, you know... And freshman year of college is hard to begin with. Yeah, and then Regardless it was like... Regardless of any other issues. Like, oh, my God, Trump is president. <laughs> this uh, is right. Wow. Yeah, so it's been interesting. But regardless, I, I, I feel, ho- like... Hopeful. Maybe I feel like me being here, talking to people, mm-hmm. doing work, is going to maybe shift a little bit someone's opinion about mm-hmm. what immigration is like, you know, coming from the Middle East specifically, because we have this big stamp of terrorism everywhere we go on our heads, so it really is not that way. It's just, you know, I grew up with Syrians and Palestinians, and I grew up with Iranians, and they're people. They're just people mm-hmm. doing things, playing soccer, and these are the kids I went to school with. Really, all they want to do is play music and be DJs. Like, like <laughs> really, they don't have a single like hair of malice in them. Like, they're just people. Yeah. And unfortunately, stuck in a very interesting geographical location. I feel like my entire existence has been such a bizarre one just because of the location I was born in, and it's weird. Which you have no say in. Yeah, I have it no say in. But yes. I also have now been, like, it's such a huge part of my identity. Like, even my work as an artist, I cannot, mm. like, pull away a little bit from it sometimes because whatever it is, I'm still Iraqi, I'm still a Muslim, I'm still a female in America that's an asylum. Like, mm-hmm. what do you What do you think it means to be an American? like you have to believe in freedom you have to I feel like Americans have a responsibility so if I was an American I would really try to be very responsible on like on what I vote on and I I I really feel like no one understands the power that is like you get to vote I never voted I was never able to vote in any election Mm. and I don't know maybe I am mistaken maybe I am I delusional because you vote like I think the only election that I would say maybe the, the individual vote feels like it no longer counts is the presidential election, mm-hmm. and I think it's because of the Electoral College. Yeah. But I agree with you completely otherwise, where I feel like we... The smaller ones. The smaller ones totally matter. Yeah. Like, if you think about even how the president can nominate a Supreme Court judge... They're picking from people who got voted in by the people locally, and this goes, and they move up Mm -hmm. before they get to a level where the president could even consider them for um, a Supreme Court judgeship. So 
And I think it's one of the things that we vote on locally that we don't, we're not that informed about yeah. as a populace and we probably don't pay as much attention. Like, Well, that's another thing that was really interesting for me coming to the United States is kind of the level of political awareness of people my age versus like people my age in the Middle East. Mm. And it is really different. Like for us in the Middle East, we kind of know everything, what that's going on, what parties mm. are what, like who is who. It's because like we grew up with the news always on and because our existence is so political, yeah, we cannot kind of remove ourselves from it. I feel like people my age here when I talk about like oh it's like midterm elections or whatever and I'm like trying to figure out so I'm asking questions like trying to understand what is happening in the government and I understand that my peers don't know either they are completely just as ignorant about it but they're the ones that hold actually all the power and so I don't know I just feel like there needs to be that kind of sense of like anxiety about it and that's it's, it's kind it's of for, for people to feel like something's really yeah. at stake if you don't participate yes in it. and it's not just and that but that ignorance is also why the electoral college existed or exists and why it was put into place in the beginning of the forming of the country because they i mean it goes back to this sense of we didn't you know people news traveled by horse mm-hmm. and um, so they felt like everyday people wouldn't know really everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. So if they can, if we could just say each state gets a certain amount yeah. of votes and the people who are in charge of voting mm-hmm. actually know what's happening, mm-hmm. then that system would work. But I think now we're in a situation where the popular vote and the electoral vote yeah. doesn't always match. Yeah, that's what happens. And that's becoming, that's where it's a problem. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's, but yeah, I feel like as Americans, I feel like there's privilege. There's a lot of privilege mm-hmm. in being an American. And so there's that privilege, I don't really necessarily believe that is is being like used to the best of its abilities. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Do you feel American yet? I really, you know, I... I don't know how to answer that. Yeah. A lot of people have said that to me. You're like American. Mm-hmm. You're like here, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't think so because mm-hmm. I, yeah, I really still don't feel that way. I don't feel like I'm of here yet. I still feel like when I speak Arabic outside, it mm-hmm. it is like uncomfortable for me. I feel like someone at this point mm-hmm. is going to come and say something to me. So I feel like, I don't know, as an American, I thought that if I was an American, I would be an American, but I also can be myself. And that was what's beautiful about being yeah. American. And I feel like that's not really it. So now I'm like, am I just Arab? <laughs> mm, mm. Will I ever like really truly fit? Because I yeah. feel like I, here a lot of people are getting called other. So for me to not even have the passport yet and claim to be American, I don't feel like mm-hmm. the people would agree with me on that. I understand. You know? yeah, yeah, and I think there's, there's a lot about that goes into making one's identity both in how one how you perceive yourself but also how others perceive mm-hmm. you sometimes informs mm-hmm. what that yeah. identity is. Do you think I'm American yet? I guess I yeah, I mean I would I sort of think I think you have yes, I think in a lot of ways yes, because I think maybe it has to do with but maybe it's a hybrid and not one or the other, yeah. right? But yeah. but I, I would probably, if someone was to ask, like, 
I would say, oh yeah, him's an Iraqi American. <laughs> okay. And think of, because I, I guess, I think, but maybe, I don't know. I mean, I would honestly love to get to that point and be like, I'm an Iraqi American and I would, because I'm still in that search for that home, you know. But you've been here just four years. Yeah, so that's yeah. not even a long yeah, time, so, so I could also understand where maybe that question's even absurd and... <laughs> I don't know. I feel I was like a little bit more at home maybe two years ago than I am now, which is kind yeah. of what yeah. freaks me out. Makes now. a lot of sense yeah. because this home has shifted, mm-hmm. and yeah, mm-hmm. I felt I felt really like our country was in a very different trajectory when Obama yes. was president, and the fact that he got elected twice like it's sort of it's a big deal that we as a country elected an African American. Yeah, even just whatever he's biracial. But at the same time, it was it, it's a big deal. it's a big deal for this country to have been able I to mean, do that. But I think that's why there was a backlash because there's still a lot of people who can't handle that, unfortunately. Yeah, I think maybe that is what was happening. Maybe it was too early for America. In my family, we always had this this kind of horrible joke about where my mom would often say things. It was almost this like who's the most oppressed and it was sort of just like who do you think we'll have as a a president first a woman a Jew or a black person and it was sort of like I don't know they're both like all three of them nobody liked so it was this like really um yeah so it's sort of like a strange thing for my my mom always sort of joked about you've hinted at this a little bit but have you experienced any harassment or discrimination because of your language, your name, what you look like, who you are, where you're from? Mm, I've talked about this story before. It's usually my name. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I told that story in your class, actually. Maybe. Um, I was at the airport, mm-hmm. and uh, the line for security was really long, so they shifted us, so I was standing behind the guy that checks off the IDs. There was a list that had people to double check, and my name was on there, mm. and three other names that were completely Middle Eastern, completely like blatantly like yeah. Muslim majority country. And I that was the first time I was like, oh my god, like I am this tiny little. I had pink hair back then. I was like, I have pink hair. Like, why is my name on here? Like, what will I possibly? And they yeah. double check and they mark you differently, and and you feel that you're like, this is because of mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. I also, every time I stopped putting my name fully on my uh, luggage tag, and I noticed when mm. I used to travel with my name on my luggage tag, it always comes back, like my full name, always comes back with a little blue note that tells you that they They've have searched the inside. Yeah, but yeah. when I don't, it never has it. It's oh, completely closed, and it's fine, and nothing ever goes through. So I'm like, maybe this is not a coincidence. It really is. Mm-hmm. I feel like my name is that kind of a target. Um, during the protest, there was a lot of people that drove by and were like, go home. But, like, to everybody, it was just, like, those people. Yeah. Um, but just in, like, daily mm-hmm. life at school or walking around the city? When I, when I was with my aunt, who, you know, wears a hijab, it was more, you know, you get the looks. And when I used to walk with her, it's mm-hmm. very obvious. But um, for me, I feel like I'm very ambiguous looking. So mm-hmm. I don't really get identified, I feel like, unless people, like, actually know who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... I actually, during the senior show, one of my senior projects was about the Arabic language, and this old man came up, and he was talking to me about the leather bag that I had. It was like two projects. He was so excited. And then 
I, he turns around to see the other project and start talking about Arabic, and his face turns from this really big smile into this just like flat, and he turned around and walked away. Wow. And that happened, yeah. And I was like, kind of expecting. I started laughing, but it was a very interesting like wow. reaction because I was like, "Well, you're really upset about a, our project. Like, look at yourself for a second. <laughs> like, it's kind wow. of yeah." There was for a while in Bruce Ferguson's office, the president of the college. Mm-hmm. He had um, it wasn't in his office; it was in a conference room. He had this series of, I think they were drawings. And they had Arabic text, uh, and all of them. And and one day I commented, I'm like, this is, I really like this piece. Tell me about the artist. And he started laughing because he said that it was a poem, Mm -hmm. and it was like a famous poet, and the artist had used the text from that poem. And he said that there were some people who've come in the conference room and sort of like freaked out about the artwork. And he was like, it's a poem. It's like... Why are we worried, scared of a language? Yep. I have a whole paper about that if you'd like to read. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that was like the reactions I've got. Anything other than that, mm-hmm. I feel like I I have a better experience, and I think I'm blessed to be in Los Angeles too. Like it's I don't get to I don't think I'm interacting with that kind of crowd, the, yeah. the really noxiously racist people. Yeah. yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah, that's what I mean by like I think yeah. we are sort of in a liberal open-minded multicultural bubble yeah. that the rest of the country doesn't always have which scares me because that's when you know when we go like oh it's you know what you said like it will never happen it will never happen you don't understand the extent of what yeah yeah because you get used to it this way and then not realize it's not this way mm-hmm. in the rest of the in all of mm-hmm. the whole country yeah it's that complacency yeah. I never thought that we would have I mean when I was growing up, Nazi sympathizers and skinheads were sort of like a joke. Like, they existed, mm-hmm. and nobody took them seriously. It was sort of like this, this joke. ineffectual gang of kids that, yeah, yeah, the KKK <laughs> kind of still exists, but, you know, who pays attention yeah. to them sort of attitude. And then when the president doesn't disavow them and... He's validating them. He's validating yeah. yeah. That that was pretty terrifying because mm-hmm. it really I sort of felt like similar like with your the last name thing I don't have a Jewish last name I have my father's French Canadian last name mm-hmm. and my son has my husband's last name which is Irish and I but in and I'm not religious so mm-hmm. I I don't really care mm-hmm. so much but I still feel like culturally identify mm-hmm. as as being yeah. Jewish and I know that it's almost, you know, some people think of it as a bloodline and it passes down through the mother. But I found myself in moments during that thinking like, we've got blonde hair and blue eyes. We look Aryan. I have the last name Jacquis. My son has the last name Quinn. No one would know. We could hide if we had to. But to think that in to get to this that point, time period, yeah. to have to have that thought, thought is, yeah. is, was scary. The yeah. thought alone, like I, I was just hearing the. There's a group called like Proud Boys War. Like yeah, yeah. I just heard about and that. And they're in a bar, but people drove them out of the bar. But I'm like, you, you have the audacity nowadays. Like you actually do. And the fact that we got to a point where people are proud to be outside and have these beliefs, and we're like, and it's okay. Like it's 
it really is terrifying. I feel like the validity that he gave them is, is beyond. Because yeah. because they there was still a Tiki March, I think, was in April, the, another one in Charlottesville. But it was shut down, like, really quickly. But mm-hmm. still, people showed up, and it was announced. And there is this kind of, like... Well, and the challenge is that because of our First Amendment and the freedom of speech, yeah. there is... That there's these fine lines between how much do we allow people to say and when does it cross over into being coming a hate crime. And not every state has hate crimes on the books mm. for various protected classes. So um, it's a tricky one because there are, um, you know, total anti Nazi, very liberal people who would still argue that they have the right yeah. to speak and have a protest and voice their opinion but but i feel like when does like the freedom of others is just like imposing on the freedom yeah you know yeah i mean it gets at the same the case recently where um a baker oh was um allowed to not cook a wedding cake for a Mm same-sex couple because they, he says it's against his religion and he's an artist and yeah when does that become artistic yeah. freedom and when does That's that become true. discrimination in the workplace or in the public yeah it's super complicated yeah, yeah I mean I mean yeah on discrimination yeah. Hey, come on <laughs> but it's pretty nuts is there is there anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't touched on mm-hmm. No, I mean, not really. I, I feel like what was important for me is to make sure that people understand that people seeking asylum and immigration comes from, like, these stories and these real motivations that is just, like, keeping your family safe. And I feel like mm-hmm. if anybody else was in that position, they will still, you know, we are, they will still care for their family. They will still do the exact same thing. It's just, it, it's lucky that in these parts of the world, thank God we've never gotten the chance or we never gotten to the point where we needed to do that but I feel like empathy and sympathy is really important in today's Mm -hmm. world Mm -hmm. especially when there's so much evil around and when you have such resources you know you don't know these people that are coming here you don't know the capability they have and how much contribution they can do to this country so just welcome them I mean Mm -hmm. this is how this country was built on is a bunch of different scientists coming from different disciplines a bunch of different people this is a melting pot and I feel like it has the ability now to even grow further and like mm-hmm. just by bringing all these talents. Like think of it as talents and not people taking away your, your benefits as people contributing. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Thank you for participating yeah, in this. No it's been really great to talk with you. Oh, it was really great to do this too. Thank you so much for having me on this. Oh, my pleasure.